This is the Pain Information Network, and we're podcasting in a car again. I just got home. We did a podcast in the car on stimulants, and that's a really underappreciated topic, and especially in pain management, because a lot of the folks I see, at least 20%, on some kind of stimulant. And there's different classes of stimulants. I kind of briefly touch on the surface of these drugs. Um, They're important because they can do so much. They can change the way you think. They can change the motivational part of your life. They can change the way you look. They can change just so much that, you know, we got to talk about it. And so, all right, we're going to talk about stimulants. And, uh, okay, so... I guess the the best part about this episode is that um, I think it's underappreciated what these drugs can do. Everybody's talking about the opioid epidemic, but no one's talking about stimulants. No one's talking about the risk uh, that it imposes upon the family, the community, and others. Um, How many times do we hear about a uh, college student that needs a little Adderall help? i got a big test coming up. How many times do we hear about somebody who... Uh, needs a little recreational cocaine or the ravages of uh, crystal meth, which I have seen in the community. It's the young folks that want that intense rush, and that's what stimulants do, psychostimulants, whatever you want to call them. The thing about these drugs is physiologically and neurobiologically, they can grip you. And unlike opioids, which, you know, we can put you on buprenorphine and that sort of thing, there's no reversal agent for these. Um, We've tried SSRIs, we've tried SNRIs, we've tried all sorts of different drugs. None of them work. You just got to kind of ride it out during the uh, downside. The other thing that's unique about these drugs is they really don't have this, like, withdrawal characteristics, like... Uh, you know, I don't feel good. I'm, I need to take um, I need to take something. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and kind of dive in here, understanding that uh, it's going to need to be expanded on later, especially if there's interest. So if you have interest, let me know, and I'll I'll expand on stimulants. So anyway, uh, let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, yeah, this is podcast in a car number three. So the point here is that um, time is limited, and you know when I have a clinic uh, at the East Coast, I have to drive out there and then drive back, and I don't want to waste the time. And uh, I think it's important uh, from an educational standpoint to pick a topic and one that uh, you know I can I can roll with. I don't have notes or anything, and. Then I can focus on driving, and this uh, is just me talking, just conversational. All right, today I'm going to talk about something that people just don't talk about this much, but everybody wants to know about this, and that's about stimulants. Okay, let's go through them, and there are different categories of stimulants, and they tend to be related to an era, Um, and uh, I, I heard a really good lecture American Society of Addiction Medicine about this. So I'm just going to roll with this, and um, I, I think it's I think it's a, an important topic because uh, drugs of abuse are not just opioids. Um, drugs of abuse are uh, anything from barbiturates to um, <laughs> caffeine, you know, 
we can, as humans, find a way to abuse many different uh, chemicals and compounds. So stimulants are one of those things that tend to grip people, much like opioids. And you really want to have a good handle on uh, what they mean to a family or to a loved one. Because um, when they affect you, they are there and they are in your face. And the reason they're so profound is because unlike opioids that you can kind of hide, stimulants over time you can't hide them. They change personality, they change drive, uh, sleep patterns, appearances. They're not just a a hidden uh, problem. They are a problem you have to react to. And some are less problematic than others, but others are very problematic in ways you don't think about. For example, sexual behavior patterns, uh, uh, risky sexual behaviors uh, driven by these drugs, uh, transmission of disease. You don't think of them in colleges uh, as ruining a college students' life. Um, and you don't think of them in college as uh, just one of those things that kids got to take because they've got a test coming up and they're just so easily just dis, just dis, um, handed uh, from person to person they're not even really sold they're just here you need one of these you got a big test go ahead and take it i don't need my adderall so let, let's start with uh let's start with cocaine cocaine uh in the 1970s was just coming on and in the 1980s it was a bitch uh, cocaine is one of those drugs that uh, didn't just take uh, people. It took a society. And, uh, you know, enter Studio 54, enter uh, people's lives getting semi-ruined on this drug. And the fact that we had a true um, incarceration system of uh, demonic proportions back then where it wasn't treatment. It was retaliation. So what cocaine does is it is uh, either sniffed or ingested uh, rectally in a capsule or uh, a number of ways. Orally, it doesn't do much. Um, and, but there you go. The drug goes into you, and it's rapidly absorbed. And if it bypasses a liver, say you snort it, um, you get... Uh, well, people have described a front row seat. You get pretty good euphoria. Now, that tends to fade over time, that euphoria does. And it's caused by dopamine because cocaine just interferes with the ability of the reuptake system to take back dopamine. So it keeps stimulating uh, the receptor. And so you get a high. So the high is usually a couple hours. It's not that long. And it diminishes pretty rapidly. Uh, But the thing about cocaine is you have that feeling once, I want it again. And so you do it again. Now, these are the problems with cocaine. Um, Cocaine diminishes your appetite, screws sleep up. It uh, increases uh, sexual pleasure, so that is sought after. And it interferes with judgment. I always tell people that when I was a paramedic, it's incredible what happens to people on cocaine i I, telling you you could smack somebody in the face on cocaine and they don't care because it it, it's kind of an analgesic in a way it works in the locus ceruleus it works in different parts of the brain and it's uh 
it's got a brain effect uh, that affects the reward pathway, and so you want it again. So that drug, if you take it a little further, and you take it a little further after that, um, you can take you into a kind of a stupor, a psychotic state. It can take you all the way to seizures. So while you're doing this drug and opioids, and you'd say, well, there's got to be a withdrawal effect. Um, not really. You don't really get that big withdrawal effect like you do with opioids. Um, what you get is you want the reinforcement effect, and um, so that's why you go back to cocaine. Go back, go back, go back. So it's a, it's a white powder. Most of these stimulants are, are white powder. Crystal meth, the way it's uh, phosphorylated during its manufacture process, is sometimes pink. But uh, cocaine um, is not as expensive as it was in the 80s, and it's more available. It comes from South America, a coca plant. Uh, you, get, you get a number of derivatives. Some people make a tea out of it. The point is this. Um, when we're testing for drugs of abuse. Just happened today. Just happened today. I've picked up a young lady who was um, taking cocaine. We're picking up not the cocaine, but the metabolite, benzalicanine. And when we have benzalicanine detection from a point-of-care cup, which isn't that accurate, all the way to uh, a drug test, um, it's cocaine. I mean... They, you know, you can deny or you can say, I, I don't know how it got there. It must not be right. Well, it's there. So, okay, cocaine, uh, it's not as popular with um, kids anymore. It's more popular with folks that uh, need a little pick-me-up is what they call it. And maybe they're, there's this kind of dysphoric or depression-like feeling. Um and they don't want to feel that, so they do more cocaine. Because um, when you do a lot of cocaine, um, you, you come down on a crash. It's described by these folks as a horrible feeling. I'm going to go get another line. All right, so kind of, kind of primer on cocaine. Um, let's talk about MDMA. Uh, let's talk about ecstasy. Um, it, should have been called um, sympathy because it's a drug that uh, again works in the central nervous system uh, it works uh, on dopamine and it causes this empathy this um, I feel your pain and um, it's not necessarily ecstasy and people don't say man that was incredible I felt so high no it's not that it's um, just this incredible empathetic conversation or feeling, a lot of touching. and um, It's also one of those drugs that over time, it just doesn't work that well anymore. And it can cause so many side effects that uh, uh, people, they don't like it. You know, they can start taking it early in their college career, but after a while... They don't like it because they start getting that dopamine depleted, and that's a funk. And it takes a while to recover from that. So ecstasy is really falling off uh, the page. And so let's go to the 90s and early 2000s. 
And let's fast forward to um, crystal meth. Well, crystal meth works by not only releasing dopamine in the central nervous system at the reward pathways, but also blocks reuptake. So it is intense. And it's the best sex people have ever had. And it's just everything everybody wants um, in a perfect ideal drug, except it's not. And it has a longer half-life than cocaine. So roughly, you know, somewhere around uh, its effects can go 18 to 24 hours. But not the intense euphoric effects. That comes up pretty quick and goes away pretty fast. So this is a drug that takes away inhibitions and leads to risky sexual behavior. So we saw that in the in the gay community. We saw that in uh, the uh, uh, abuse community that um, they do things they normally wouldn't do. And, uh, yeah, you can inject it IV, but mostly it's smoked. And, um, and so it just does so many things so fast and intensely that bad things happen. So what happens, if you can go Google this, you can look at people before and after, say, a year's use of crystal meth. They, they look, they look it. And this is what I'm talking about. So what you can see is you can see they've been picking at themselves because they think they've got bugs on their skin. Um, so they have these scabs and their forearms. And when I see that in the clinic, that, you know, I... I mean, that's a red flag until <laughs> proven otherwise. Um, and then because of the intense vasoconstriction, dry mouth and the like, they start losing their teeth. So um, a j- kind of a jittery kind of presentation. Uh, they can get very dysphoric. They can become psych- very psychotic and uh, very much um, a uh, individual who is lacking control now this drug ruins families and lives um and yes it's associated with all the bad things you can see with uh, cocaine including seizures but this drug which used to be made in trailers and (laughs) used to be you know they blow up rooms uh the way they used to make it uh now is made in great quantities in india and mexico so it's readily available and crystal meth is one of those drugs you do it once you you definitely want it again so it's it's a quick addiction it's a bad addiction so getting treatment for these folks is not saying don't do it don't do it no uh getting help for these folks requires intense uh cognitive behavioral therapies and uh intense uh rewards um uh getting people into treatment uh and, and serious treatment, uh, not not a, a halfway uh, treatment where, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Now, sometimes it, it's inpatient. And, um, you know, expect, expect some rebounds. Um, you know, these people, um, these are the ones that want to relapse. Uh, these are the ones that uh, have a lot of problems. Uh, so crystal meth, anybody in your family... Gets this drug, gets a taste, uh, yeah, they want it again. Okay, the next one's, I'm just going to call them the Phenidates. Um, and now everybody wants to be skinny, they want uh, a pill, and so methylphenidate and some of these others um, help you lose weight, focus, concentration, um, 
we don't get too high off these drugs, um, but uh, the Ritalins, the Adderalls, these are significant drugs of abuse. And I, for the life of me, don't know why they're written so often. It's kind of like benzodiazepines. You know, Doc, what are you thinking? Okay, don't be giving a a drug that may cause a little bit of sedation. Oh, no, no, so I'm going to give you something that's going to perk you up. Exception might be for cancer, something like this, but uh, these drugs are going to go in kids' hands or they're um, written for kids. And why? So we have other ways to treat ADHD and sedation, and these are poor choices. So um, I just, uh, my little message uh, to the medical community is, along with benzodiazepines, please look at these drugs with great caution and great care because these are the drugs I see in my clinic. And uh, I had uh, a, a lady today uh, who not only had pot, and she's in her early 20s, pot. Uh, she had Adderall. Um, oh, yeah, a little cocaine. Um, she had opioid unknown probably oxycodone and benzodiazepines you get the idea she's in recovery that's uh that's not a that's not a soft recovery that's that's a relapse full-blown relapse so we took appropriate measures with that and really really jumped in hard because this is the person that is uh going to be a statistic and that's our job we've got to keep people alive some some and most people that keep doing this one, two, three times have to be inpatient and require intense monitoring. And it's not, you know, a two-week treatment. It's uh, four months, six months. Who's got the money for that? And that's the problem. So we do the best we can. Um, So there's some other stimulants out there. You know, I could go into caffeine. I could go into uh, a number of kind of... um, esoteric ones um, but I think it, those are the those are the big ones I see a lot so um, I might add one more stimulant that deserves uh, almost a good 10 minutes on its own uh, at a later date but I want to put it into relevance and I might actually interview this patient if they don't mind um, because they're going to want to tell you what these drugs do to you and they do to the family and why you just want to be five miles from them and the triggers that continue the triggers can continue for not a month not two months six months a year it can be for five ten years a lifetime we know with cocaine that that some of these triggers you know the stimulation uh, they're Whatever it might be, you see a line, you see somebody else using it. Um, If you look at functional magnetic resonance imaging of the brain, these triggers, especially with these stimulates, can be in the one one thousandth of a second, uh, even more with cocaine, uh, in its alarming excitation on this imaging. So they're real. and they do affect brain chemistry. And don't forget, addiction and misuse, abuse, and diversion uh, is probably a brain disease, and we know it is actually. But uh, we know neurobiologically 
that it's going to be here to stay for a while. And we have to act accordingly and always be ready to intervene. So, um, okay. Uh, leave me some stars if you don't mind at uh, iTunes. really helps. And uh, paininformation.com. You can uh, leave uh, questions for me. That's all coming down. And I did find my podcast. There's a... I'll, I'll put it... Uh, put it up in the next podcast uh, I'll tell you about it and tell you where to find it and everything, the domain and everything but they've been hosting my podcast and they have all the episodes because I've been getting kicked out of my current service uh, and uh, so I'm going to go to Libsyn and that's a podcast host- hosting service but it's good I mean that's going to that's gonna take um, some convergence and elimination of uh, you know Peter to pay Paul, and it's so it's um, the internet world and the complications therein. But we're going to have a whole bunch more podcasts uh, reemerge, even the early ones, which I think were just awful. But they're there, uh, and uh, they are of some value. And I want to do, I want to do um, my five rules again, and I want to do it better than the first time I did it because. It was the first time I did a podcast, and I'm going to do that one again, and uh, that was recommended to me, uh, and I am going to do a couple of the classics. Um, now, so f- as far as interviews go, you know, I went to the Southern Pain Society, had a great interview there, had a lot of fun, neat people, really great people. Uh, kudos to Mordecai, he did a great, uh, great show there. Um, a lot of work putting these meetings together. Uh and then I came home, and Kathy and I went to Washington. We drove to Washington, had the opportunity to uh, exchange some words with the Surgeon General. The new Surgeon General is a great guy. He's an anesthesiologist, and he really gets the opioid uh, crisis. And visited our um, congressional members and had a moment to talk about the opioid crisis, our uh, feelings. And uh, there's some hearings, I think, this week. Um, on the opioid crisis and make myself available, of course, to him. And uh, they came home and immediately got on a plane for San Juan, Puerto Rico, and uh, spent uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday there with Aon uh, Scientific Advisory uh, Committees and had a great, great time with Aon. They're a global health uh, uh, group. Uh, uh, disclaimer, I work with them. Uh, and they're... Uh, very responsible and very philanthropic. Um, great time talking to them. So get that. I was in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and within 24 hours, they got hit. So I got out. I was one of the last ones out. I didn't. I, no one even really knew what was going on. No one was boarding anything up. It was. Uh, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful. So, all right. Great talking to you. Podcast in a car. I better pay attention. Traffic's getting a little worse here, but. That's going to be the basic primer on stimulants. Um, and, you know, I'll expand that out if, if there's interest because there's there's a bunch more stimulants out there. And some of these newer ones that are being manufactured in laboratories, uh, illicit laboratories that are coming to us are, are kind of nasty. So um, we'll talk about that. It's all about the dopamine, isn't it? All right. Well, um, Let's uh, let's talk soon, and uh, next uh, podcast, 
Um, if you got some suggestions, great. If not, uh, I'm going to probably talk a little bit more about some uh, some meds that uh, people don't ever talk about, like barbiturates and and some of the others that are less sexy but do kill and are out there. Um, oh, and fentanyl. I'm seeing now synthetic fentanyl come through, and it's it's not good because it's really hard to detect and it's I think potent and it might not even really be fentanyl but some kind of sister chemical and uh, that's a problem that's a problem so all right have a great day and uh, I'll see you around all right there you got it so this is the deal Um, I, I wasn't sure in the car so I didn't want to blurt it out but the website that's got all of mine uh, on it is called Pod Fanatic, and I appreciate them for doing that. So, shout out there. And as I transform uh, this uh, show into doing more things, I uh, appreciate your input. So, once again, uh, please don't hesitate. Uh, and, you know, you're not offending me at all if you give me some, you know, feedback, positive or negative. I want to hear what you want to know. Because this pain, addiction, and depression stuff is a big deal right now, and if we don't, uh, if we don't address it, or if I don't answer questions right, or if you know I don't uh, give you the information you need, I want to know about it. This is an informational show; it's not medical advice. Get that only from a qualified individual. But I can, I think I can at least maybe steer the uh, currents a little bit. So, anyway, all right, let's talk to you soon.